Yeah, uh, okay, as far as restaurants go, uh, Vivace, yeah, I, 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 go in, um, I go in cycles at the moment. My cycle is, is Tavola. I mean, you've been on Tavola for years. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been a while. Here we go. I'm going to shut up now. Thank you, everybody, for patience. Guys, good Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry Miller, and welcome to Real Talk with Keith Smith. Thank you kindly for joining us. We are live in downtown Charlottesville on a show that is watched by quite a few people. Um, Real Perfect. Talk with Keith Smith has become the, um, I mean, I'll say it, the water cooler of, of real estate for a 300,000-person market. We see folks watching from many different brokerages and many different um, businesses tied to real estate and beyond. And we understand the responsibility that comes with it. I'm glad you said responsibility. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk pasta this morning because, you know, it's real talk with Keith Smith and we're going to talk real about pasta and today's World Pasta Day. But I had a meeting at Tavola yesterday. Nope. Um, and, you know, the person sitting next to me said, where do I know you from? And then my answer always is, is man, I know your money. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and uh, thanked us for some of the data that we did and particularly thanked us for the show that we had uh, the good Dr. Lisa Steravent on, which um, hopefully uh, we're going to kind of do some post-production stuff for uh, uh, the first Monday, I think we got it slated for the first Monday in November. Is she coming in town? No, no, no. Her schedule is so tight, but we're gonna we're gonna do it virtually, and and uh, we'll talk a little post production stuff. But look, um, you know, so what is your favorite pasta dish? So so not not that excuse me, not that this dish, but the actual pasta, right? So like, I don't even want to use the word noodle because I'll get into trouble. Uh, but what is your favorite pasta? Right? I'd say lasagna. Lasagna, okay. Yeah. Judah? Uh, let's see. Are you on a three-shot, Judah? I think uh, maybe fettuccine. Fettuccine is Fettuccine, got it, got it. Mine is bucatini, which Ooh. you, you mm. do not see a lot of. Um, How about Facili Jerry? Pardon? Facili Jerry. <laughs> Seinfeld reference. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mean, you, you mean we, called it, we called it angel hair because we couldn't say that big fancy word. Angel hair is good. <laughs> we called it angel hair. But yeah, so bucatini is basically a, a, a spaghetti noodle that has a hole in the middle of it. Um, and the only place I know around here that you can get it is Tavola. So, so is lasagna noodle and lasagna your favorite, favorite pasta dish? Or would you have a... You know, if you had... I'd say my favorite noodle is, take a page out of Judah's book, Fettuccine. Yeah, got it. My favorite pasta dish is lasagna. Yeah. So, uh, meatless with meat, without meat? Uh, With meat. Yeah, there you go. I mean, my wife and I were talking about this yesterday. We have two sons, um, which you guys know, viewers and listeners may not know that. We have a five and a half year old and 11 month old. And when steak is on the menu... Steak. Steak. When steak is on the menu at the house... My son goes, my oldest goes, let's go, we're ready. And now our 11-month-old, we're cutting it out into like thumbnail-sized pieces, Yeah, yeah. devours steak. My wife likes chicken, but she's overruled at the house. She goes, if I get steak, the boys eat everything. If I get chicken, they graze. And you grill it, obviously. Uh, no, she likes to pan sear it. Ooh. That's very good. Ooh. I would stack my wife's steak up against many in this community. Yeah. In fact, yesterday I got a text message from Woody Fitchum about the best steak in town. 
And, you know, we are fortunate in that we have a, I mean, how much, we have so many steak options in this community. For me, from a steak standpoint, Aberdeen Barn or Petit Pois. You've had the steak feats, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was going to talk about world pasta. We can talk about pasta. But, 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 um, you know, it's pretty hard to beat Aberdeen, but it's two different ways that they cook, right? You know, it, there's the French, and then there's kind of the American version sure. of it. So, uh, but yeah, you know, uh, but, you know, I, I love simple stuff, and believe it or not, and it's really hard to make well, is a really good uh, spaghetti and meatballs. It's really hard, and Yona gets mad at me all the time because I am a bit of a pasta snob, and I cannot, you know, it... The, it's it's about getting the pasta al dente, and and I will tell you, very few restaurants actually can achieve that. Tavola is one of them. Vivace is another one. Orzo is another one. Uh, but very few can get that to that right moment that you have to pull it out. So it's just a little crunchy, not crunchy, but just a little hard. Yeah, I hate a soggy pasta noodle. But anyway. Um, Stephanie Rhodes watching the program. She says, my husband does not eat either. Is that Stephanie? He does not eat pasta or steak. Is that, is that right? Or is it just pasta, the types of pastas we're talking about? Yeah, so Yona won't, won't eat. I mean, she'll eat it. Uh, she will not eat pasta? Yeah, it's, it's a... So what'd she get at Tavola? Uh, it's, uh, she usually gets the fish, right? Or... Or something other other than that, but it, it, she's not a pasta pasta fan. But it's just how she grew up, right? She didn't know it. It was never in our household, right? You know, it was you know schnitzel and and potatoes and you know green salads. It wasn't a uh, it wasn't a pasta world. This is Central Europe. It it it, it didn't kind of influence at least in, in the little village that she's from up over there. But I'll tell you, if you want to eat well. I'll take a trip over to Yona's little home village, you know. And When's the it, last time you've been? Oh, I have not been since the death of my father-in-law in 2009. I have not been, but prior to that, we'd go probably twice a year. Uh, we just, there's, we don't have too many family members. Actually, we only have one is our sister uh, that's two years younger than her, uh, and my nephew uh, that's 21, 22, but... Uh, we, uh, we have not gone there together since '09, which we actually were talking about that. 2009? Yeah. 14 you, years. You, yeah, but your, your head would explode because I won't do it for under three weeks, right? It's, if you're going to do it, you've got to take the time to go ahead and do it. Where do you stay? Uh, we'll stay, um, well, we don't have the houses anymore. We don't have the house, uh, mom's house, her mom's house in Lower Austria or the apartment in Vienna. So we'll just stay in hotels and little <coughs> guest houses and stuff like that. What are the hotels like? And Stephanie says, my husband won't eat pasta. Yeah. Her husband, who's a great guy, yeah. big fan of Larry, yep. will not eat pasta. I would yeah. imagine he devours steak, though, Stephanie. Yeah, well, it's carnivorous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, we... <laughs> Or Stephanie from the uh, Interstate Service Company. ISC. Yeah. Give them a call. Interstate Service Company. But anyway, I just, I just wanted to kick that off uh, that way. And, and I'm, I'm, uh, it was just it came across my phone, World Pasta Day. I love pasta. And, uh, Have you been to Vivace recently? Uh, last Friday. 
You went last Friday to Vivace? Was it Friday or Thursday? I think it was, it was the end of last week. Good. So you've we been were, recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The place is fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I like it. I love, I love their uh, martinis over there. Yeah. You know, um, it's, um, it's getting a little colder. I like to sit on their on their on their patio, or patio yeah, with or, the lights. It's beautiful. Yeah. So, it, so I really like enjoy enjoy doing that. Um, but you know, uh, don't underrate Orzo. Orzo. Does a really good job. Orzo's fantastic with, with their pasta. The thing those, is, those three: Tavola, Tavola, Orzo, Vivaci. So what's what's a fourth one? That's the one I can't figure out. Fourth, Sal's Cafe Italia is good. Sal's, there you go. There's the fourth one. Downtown right. Mall. Forgot Sal's. about that one. Yeah, fourth one. So I, you know, but but the, the those folks in particular, those four, you know, if you order a pasta dish, you'll get it al dente without a doubt. So. It makes a difference for those of us who pasta snobs who love pasta. It, you know, there's nothing worse than a, a, a soggy noodle. I don't like soggy noodles. Soggy noodles. I don't like soggy noodles. So, Judah doesn't like soggy noodles. So, Judah doesn't like anything soggy. <laughs> who likes soggy stuff? So um, when we wait for the executive director to, uh, to get back or the director to get back, um, I was asked um, yesterday, actually, by just concurrently several... Um, elected officials to kind of take a look at what the last 21, since 2003, what the average and medium days on, days on market look like. And I know, Judah, I didn't send you a separate zip file, but in that email is the slide uh, f- for that. And it's, a, it's an interesting slide to take a look at because what it does, thank you, Judah. So what it does, it takes a look at everything pre- Time of great unpleasantness, the time of great un- unpleasantness, and then afterwards. And, and if you kind of take a look at it, the, the red or the burgundy color is the median numbers, the yellow or the gold color, depending on, on, your, on your perception of the color, is the average days on, on market. Um, so I had a great conversation with Dr. Lisa Sturvant yesterday and was asking her, which numbers should I show? Should I show average? Should I show median? And she said, you should show both, right? So that's what I did. The good doctor says, do it. I did it. But, I mean, just, just take a look at, you know, the last three in the median side, the last three years, 21, 22, 23, was around six or seven. This is the full car footprint, right? Single family detached, no new construction. But then, you know, in 2020, that's three times the number, right? But take a look at 2011 and 2010, and, you know, we were in the 80s and the 70s. And keep this on screen. This is a lot for people to digest. Yeah. The, the reason I did this it... Is great, this is great data. Thank you, sir. The reason I did it was I wanted to see what the median average days on market was and the median days on... Uh, average days on market. Can I offer a suggestion? Yeah, sure. Um... I think this is fantastic. Too much. No. It's not. It's, I think it's A++. This is the best one you've ever put together. <laughs> stop it. I sincerely mean that. But keep one it point but of suggestion. <laughs> you should put Real Talk with Keith Smith branding on it. Oh, um, that's funny. I, I, the reason I make that suggestion is because I would like to share this. Yeah. On, on, I mean, you know, I love Seville's got a big following. Yeah, sure. The newsletters, this would be fantastic for our newsletter, which is reaching a lot of people. Well, and I would love to have your branding on it, so you, so people see it. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I, I kind of maybe pur- YRP branding. I, I purposely unbranded it, mm. um, 
and I unbranded it very specifically because I want people to use it, right? So, um, but uh, what I might do is do a branded and an unbranded version of it. So if people, you know, I, I want to look at this as an open source, right? So folks can, can, can use it, um, particularly to elected officials. I just, you know, but I'll, I'll, uh, I'll consider that, Jerry, and I will go ahead and do that. But the, the, the reason um, uh, one of our fans try to come in, fans. I to give them the, uh, <laughs> give them the wave, no. wave off, huh? Is this yeah. like the carrier wave off thing? You know, you know what we need, and Judah, we've talked about this. We need a on air now sign oh, that wow. we can put on the door, yeah, and let people know. Yeah, there you go. Don't enter on air now. There you go. I love it. The reason I wanted to look at this is I wanted to look at, and this was the information that I was asked by the elected officials. So, what was the average? days on market, which is 83, going from 2003 to, so that's 21 years, right? Um, and what was the median average, right? And this come up on the show quite a few times about, you know, what, when is, you know, when is this buyer-seller shift going to happen? And what these numbers are telling us, Jerry, is that, that you know, if we pick the median days on market, just for, for argument's sake. You know, we've got a long way to go before we even get to that average of 40, 46. I think what you'll see, when you start getting somewhere around the median now, somewhere around the 20, 30 days, closer to the 30 days, that's when the mentalities will start shifting, I think on buyer and seller because we get asked this question all the time when is this market going to shift right from a seller's to a buyer well you you you've highlighted it 46 well 46 is the the average right uh 46 is the median median excuse me thank you median days on market is 40 is 46 well actually it's a typo it's the average of the median days on market Right. The other one is the average of the average days on uh, days on market. I know that's a lot of averages oh, and a lot, of, me- a, lot of, a lot of medium. So that was a typo on my part. But at the end of the day, and thank you, I'm going to have to fix that. But the average median days on market is 46. The average average days on market is is 80, 83. And it was interesting. I, I didn't do this on the chart, but I did it on my spreadsheet. I pulled out the four years of time on of, of, the, of the time of great unpleasantness, which is 207 through 9. That's when the quote-unquote great recession was. And the median, the average medium days on market only dropped to 43. So that made me, even if we took that out, right, and said this was an anomaly, right, this will never happen again, right? If you took those four years out, the average was 43, which is awfully damn close to 46, so when we start creeping up into the 30s, that's when this whole psychology is going to start kicking in and go ahead and change. But I, I thought this would be some helpful information for folks, folks out there. I will make the edits on that, Jerry, and I'll give you two copies, one branded and one unbranded. Please. So, um, you know, the folks that wish to use this from an unbranded. Well, I mean, this would unbranded. make great content. For the lead of the I Love Seville newsletter. There you go. So, uh, but I'll have to do some edits for you, my friend, because it is a little confusing with the average days on market 
actually means. And so I've got to change that in that. So anyway. So you're going to brand it and the median days on market with 46, you're going to say the average of the median days. I, I, I need to clean up the language for you on that stuff. So, you know, good, didn't good have job. Much, thank you. Didn't have much today to, to, to chat about other than pasta, which I'm surprised we're not talking much more about pasta. But, but um, and then I, I wanted to go ahead and get out this average average uh, days on market and medium days on market. It's a good visual. You know, we're a long way from from a shift in in the market. And uh, I believe um, we had somebody chime in to me directly on why this is important. And why this is important, this is kind of, uh, at least for me, this is kind of a litmus test or kind of a leading indicator or, or a lagging indicator, depending on how you look at it on how the market is trending, right? But more so, you know, the last three years, everybody got used to seven days. Everybody got used to- Seven minutes. Seven minutes. Everybody got used to that. The thing that I didn't do the math on it, the thing that I found the most interesting in the last three years, if you take a look at the difference between the median and the average, so for, for year to date, on 2023, the average is 32, the median is seven. So that means there was a lot, there was quite a few homes that hung out there for a while, right? That kind of impacted that average because on the median, they drop out the high and the low, right? They just focus on the, on the middle thing. So that's why uh, the good doctor was saying, you got to have to look at both a little bit, right? To see where the delta and the trends are going between, between the two. Uh, but that's a pretty healthy difference between the two. So I think a lot of it has to do with the um, some homes being on the market a little bit longer. Than Keith Smith homes. dropping dimes today. Woody Fincham, welcome to the program. Hey, Woody. Carly Wagner, welcome to the program. Bill McChesney, Albert Graves, Kate Schartz, the Queen of Ivy. Travis Hackworth has given us love from Danville. Chad Wood, Kevin Higgins, Katie Pearl, Woody Fincham, Kristen Smith, Georgia Gilmer, Mr. D.L., Kyle Miller, Kevin Yancey. Kevin Yancey's got a couple of tidbits for him, for us. Kevin Yancey. Oh, surprised. He says, did either of you know that Zip had a pizza place in McIntyre Plaza along with Vivace? Zip, the former owner of uh, Vivace. I did not know that, Kevin Yancey. Yeah, that's new. I appreciate you letting us know. Joshua Tracy, hello. Bob Yarbrough, hello. Bellamy Brown, Ray Cadell. Real estate investor Jamie Turner, hello. John Neal, hello. Liza Borchus, David Pusso. Hey, Liza. Good to Quentin see you the other day. Patty Rowe of Logan Foster, welcome to the program. Ivy Haynes, welcome to the show. Hey, Brittany Ivy. Gray, Jill Cowherd, Sandra McDaniel. Uh, this comes in from Grayson. I tune into the shows for content and information like this. You routinely blow my mind with what you provide. (laughs) We're going to blow your mind even more on the I Love Seville show as we reveal the details of a new show launching on the I Love Seville network in November. This one will air on Thursday afternoons as we penetrate the afternoon slot on the I Love Seville network. Um, Yeah, you're going to have to take a little bit more of those throat losses. It's not even going to be tied to me. I'm not going to host. Oh, really? Yeah. We, and we also have another show in the works that's tied to moms. So Ooh. two additional programs. You've been about doing there that for a while. Right? On the I'm Island excited Seville about network. that. I'm I, excited I'm, about the mom one. I'm very excited about the two programs we mm. have about there. Um, this has come up on the show. Last show, Uh-oh. Keith and Jerry, it was not me, it was Keith. <laughs> we're talking about. Did I just get thrown under the bus? 
Well, no, you you brought it up. Yeah, no, the CNBC brought it up. You guys were talking about uh, the commission structure changing for realtors. <laughs> Sally's asking, can you follow this? Logan Wells, Claylo, welcome to the program. You got a boatload of realtors and four mortgage brokers watching the program right now. A couple of closing attorneys, three home inspectors. Woody Fincham, in my book, is the best appraiser out there. I of love course, you, Woody well um, do you want to touch on that even more? Yeah, I mean, we dug into it a little, little, little bit um, on Monday. So let's and 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 uh, that was about twenty minutes into the show because the caffeine kicked in. At this do you want to set the, the stage for a sizzle yeah, reel? So, How about a sizzle reel that I can play on the Isle of Seville show today? Oh, great! Now you just screwed it up. <laughs> you need to set the stage of what's happening. So, Judah, mark this timestamp yeah. with Keith's doing the talking first. No pressure. <clears throat> so. And look at the camera, please. Yeah, look at the camera. Jeez, you're a pain in the butt today, right? Love. Brand. I love you. I, I love you too, but yeah. brand, you know, spell. You want me to spell right? Yeah, you you know, want me to use advice. the right words? It's coming from a place of yeah, good. And I've got my, I got my, he's constantly writing new numbers down, I right? Want, I want to tell you how much this I want, is I want a perfect to... example of why I love Keith. Uh-huh. He saw that my voice was struggling today. I feel fine. My voice is not 100%. So Keith, who came to the studio... Sprinted to his truck. No, sprinted. Don't, don't exaggerate. I didn't the, sprint. You moved quickly. I, I, and he I came back. Got with long legs. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Look at that. He can count. Eight, <laughs> nine, ten. Oh, he's going through the Eleven, toes. twelve, thirteen, fourteen. And ricotta. What do you What do you call these? Ricola. 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 No, but what's the word? Ricola. Lozenge. Lozenges. Isn't it a weird word, lozenger? I, I I think lozenger is a weird word. I, can you spell it, Keith? No, I can't. I can't spell it either. Can you? I, I can't even can spell, spell my last name. I can name spell it. Sometimes. I can tell you what it means too. So are we going to talk decoupling or are we going to talk lozenges? Well, let him. Let's see. He's the smartest guy here. Spell it for us and tell us what it means. L O Z E N G E. Lozenge. Can I hear it in a sentence? I believe lozenge just means the shape. Oh, really? Yeah. Ooh. That's I a, did not know that. The sh- the I, that's shape, what this word means. I would means. not doubt you. I wouldn't doubt but it sound, But that sounds like that would make sense. Judah I, I think, is a man of few words, but when oh, the words do come out, they're right. Literally, literally at Sometimes. dinner last night. A man of few words, but when they come out, they're right. That's fair, right? Sometimes. Yeah. Oh, you're wrong sometimes? Occasionally. occasionally, I'd probably say more than occasionally, but uh, literally it at happens. dinner last night, Yon and I were talking about the end of our day, and she goes, "You know, you and Jerry just never shuts up." But literally, she said this. But when Judah says something, you better listen to it. Oh, I listened to Judah. Not that we shouldn't Thank listen you, to what we what what I pearls of wisdom that. we need to drop. Judah and I have worked together to for over thirteen years. Yeah. I spend more time with Judah than I do my wife. Um, so, okay. set the stage. Sizzle reel. Sizzle set the stage. So, <clears throat> this has been going on for a while, years, frankly. So, there is a lawsuit that is running through the, the class action lawsuit that's running through the system. This is the second week of it. The best way to explain it that I've come up with that there is the there will be, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, there will be a decoupling so just imagine a chain being decoupled. There is a de- going to be a decoupling of the buyer-broker compensation, the number of eggs that that 
buyer broker receives and the listing broker receives. So it's going to be decoupled. Right now, the way it's set up, and, and this is, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff stuff floating around, a lot of what-ifs and, you know, the world is going to end and all this kind of great stuff and I've been doing this for three and a half decades and stuff always changes. This is a pretty big one uh, on it, but there's going to be a decoupling. So what does that mean? So what that means is at some point in time, we don't know when, at some point in time, I as the buyer's agent am going to have to negotiate with the buyer how I get paid, what I get paid, and what my services are that I'm going to provide. The second part of it, and I had a great conversation with Woody about this yesterday, the second part of it is nobody's figured out how I'm actually going to get paid, the process of it, through it. There's multiple ways that it could go down this way. A lot of it will determine upon the lenders. The question I had, the conversation I had with Woody was about, you know, how are the appraisers going to look at this, right? But at the end of the day, it's going to be decoupled. So let me get this out there on the table. Commissions, eggs, because I can't talk commissions, can't talk percentages, because my tiny hiney will end up in some commission prison somewhere on this um, and probably get beat severely. But I kind of like that. But anyway, (laughs) you knew I was going to go there, right? (laughs) I did. But it's... The amount of eggs that I get paid has always been negotiable. It's never been not negotiable on that end of it. I think the general public maybe didn't know that, but um, it has always been negotiable. So the best way to look at this, if you're in the real estate space right now, um, if you've ever done a for sale by owner, what did you have to do? You had to negotiate your commission in it, right? You had to make sure your commission was in the contract and how you were going to get paid, when you were going to get paid. It was part of it. Also, if you've ever done any commercial, which I've done a fair amount of, right, you always got to negotiate your commission into it and make sure it's in it. Where the 10-ton elephant is in the room is how this is going to impact the first-time home buyer and the people at the middle to the lower purchase price Because they're strapped for cash. Correct. Yeah. So right now we're starting to see it in the MLS. There was a $2 million home that was on the market uh, for $1 compensation. Specifically says in the agent notes that uh, you need, I'm paraphrasing it, but you need to figure out how you're going to get paid. And that's what you need to do. Uh, But look, um, wait a minute. In the MLS, in the agent notes, agent notes. Yeah, yeah, there was a home listed for $2 million, and the listing agent put in the agent notes. No, no, no. That, so there's a portion in it that says the buyer broker compensation, right? In the notes, the listing agent said. Have another one, will you? <laughs> in the listing agent, the listing agent said. You want a little sip from over the there? Buyer, the buyer's representation will not be paid. At, in essence, at, at closing, in, in, in essence, by the seller. No, 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 that's not what it says. In essence, it says, you was, I'm paraphrasing this, I as the buyer agent have to figure out how I'm getting paid. That's it. It's on me. The, 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 the responsibility for my compensation is on my back to figure out how to do that. And I'm per- personally, I'm perfectly comfortable with that, right? I just, you know, I can negotiate, I, you know, I, 
been doing this for a long time. Most agents have been doing this for a long time. But this, it's just going to be a different way one does, does business. And, you know, if you do your buyer-broker agreement up front, which is what you're supposed to do, and everybody understands how many eggs I get paid for my job, what my scope of work is, what I do for you, then it's just a matter of how, right? How is this process going to happen at the closing table? So this is a great question from my friend Bill Tucker, a real, you know, one of the best real estate attorneys out there, on how exactly is that going to work on his end of it. And it's for the loan officers out there and the lenders out there how that's going to work. Because right now, one of the solutions could be we would do a seller concession, right? I'm going to buy this property for $2 million. I negotiate X number of eggs. We increase the price of the $2 million by X eggs. And then the seller just pays the buyer broker directly. That's a possibility. The question is, is will the, assuming this is a loan, will the lenders allow that to happen? You know, there's this whole unknown. And I think that's what makes everybody nervous right now. I'm getting told to shut up, by the way. <laughs> hey, uh, so, so, look, tune in, stay in, ask questions. We're going to address them the best I can. I am tracking this live because there's people tweeting from, from the courtroom. But this is less of what's going on in that lawsuit, more about what I think the industry is going to move. At the end of the day, the lawsuits are going to go one way or the other, right? There's two that are already settled. Right there's three that are in the current lawsuits, but this ship is already starting. This aircraft carrier is moving. The city of New York, its own MLS system, has as of January one will decouple. So it started. You know, New York City is a pretty large market. It is decoupling. NAR, National Association of Realtors, has said, okay, you can now put zero as a compensation, no eggs as a compensation on it. You will start seeing, I think, several MLSs around the country start saying, okay, it's okay for you to do that. In our MLS, you can do a dollar. As long as there's something in there, you can do a dollar. So that's what this two million listing did. They put a dollar in it. And now if Jerry wants to buy it, I've got to sit down and negotiate with Jerry how I'm going to do my job and how I'm going to get paid. So if you're my representation. On the buyer side. On the buyer side. Will the buyer pay a flat fee? It's whatever I negotiate with you. Well, whatever you negotiate, but I have to agree. Yeah, so that's what's called, that's what's called yeah. negotiation. So what if I say to you, I'm going to give you $5,000 and not a penny more? So then I have to make a decision if I want to do that or not. Right, right. Right? But th- there's the, the, the tricky thing about this is also what the brokers... I got a follow-up question. You know, let me finish. Sure. What the brokers are going to allow the individual agents to do, which is a kind of bit of an unknown at this point because not everything is, is, is done. But I want to stop you for a second. I could have, you could do that any day. You could do that before this lawsuit. You could say, Keith, I want you to represent me on this $2 million thing. Um, uh, I don't, you know, I want you to do A, B, C, and D, and I'll pay you X dollars for it. You've always been able to do that. The decision is, am I prepared to, to do that work for that price? That was the amount of eggs. Go ahead. Ask your second follow-up So question. here's my follow-up question. This $2 million listing. You're on number three? $2 million listing. Mm-hmm. I was in the MLS. Mm-hmm. 
that said buyer's compensation is $1. So that's what the seller is paying. Yeah. Is the $1. seller is paying buyer representation $1. $1. It's up to me to negotiate anything above that. What would, present, what would prevent buyer's representation to go to seller's representation and say, I have somebody interested, no, no. I have somebody interested in this property, but I'm not going to show that property unless you give me 3%. Uh, so that is a question I do not have an answer to. I happen to think that's unethical. Because if somebody, if a, buy, if a buyer's representative so the question goes becomes, to a seller's representative and says, I have somebody that's interested in buying, but I'm not going to take them to see this house unless you give me 3%. So that's a question I don't have an answer to. Um, I, I got a follow-up question. Uh, let, me, let me answer. I don't know if that is illegal. In my opinion, it's unethical. Uh, but that should never come across the table, period. Because here's how this is supposed to work. I meet Jerry, we sit down and we have a relate, you know, we get established a relationship. And I say, okay, Jerry, this is what I do. This is my skills. This is how I do it. We developed relationship. You know my capabilities and you know how I can, what I can do. So I'm going to, before we start looking at homes, and opening up lockboxes, and I need to get back to the importance of a lockbox here. But if I, if we go and open up a lockbox without having a buyer broker agreement in place, shame on me, right? So in that buyer broker agreement, and I, I've been, we've been doing this for decades. It says I'm either going to accept what the seller's going to pay me, which is the dollar in this case, and or X number of eggs of the purchase price, whatever we negotiate. So we walk in, so we already now have an agreement that says, this is what we're doing. This is my work. This is your work. This is how many eggs I am going to get compensated if the other side doesn't do it. And you want to buy that, and we open that up, and the seller doesn't pay it, you've agreed to pay those percentage of eggs at the closing. Does that make sense? you got a boatload of realtors watching right now. Yeah. Um, This is a slippery slope because there's so much we don't know yet. i got a follow-up question for you. But it's important, to, it's important, in my opinion, to um, architect or outline how it is being done, how it maybe should, have been, should be done. And as long as you are professional, caring, and trustworthy, and you do the job, and you have your documentation in place, and you set expectations with Jerry, okay, this is how this is going to work, Jerry. There are now listings out there that will only have a dollar. This is what I'm worth. This is how I get paid. You either agree to it or disagree. I either agree to work for you or don't. So there's this whole new negotiations, which has always been there. My phone is blowing up. Okay, go ahead. I'll let you ask a question. Um, I got a follow-up question for you. You always do. The follow-up well, question is have another, have another lozenger. I mean, I'm, I'm a perfect guy to ask these follow-up questions because I've done a for sale by owner. Sure. Successful. Sure. And I've done 13 transactions, commercial, where I represented myself. Commercials? So commercial up until now. And I purchased my personal home representing myself. So, yeah. So, but, but there's... And, and I've sat across from you for five years. Yeah, I'm sorry. Learning about real estate. Sorry to hear that. So here's my follow-up question for you. But let me, let me, let me jump in before you ask the question. If you, I'm... I can't remember what I was going to say. You can remember the question. Okay. Um, the FISBO. For sale always, by owner. It's always been, it's always, uh, it's always 
I got to shut off my hearing aids. They're talking to me. People are texting me, so I got to shut my phone off. People are blowing my phone. Yeah, off. yeah. So uh, if I if otherwise it just keeps on talking to me. You've got a text from so and so. You got a text from so and so. The FISBO, the for sale by owner, has always been there. Now, now there's a document buried in in transaction desk or VR that little folk, most folks don't know about. But there is a single showing, right? So let's flip the flip the coin a little bit. This one percent, right? I, I want to show it, a FISBO. I'm going to say, look, I'm going to bring my client. If my client does a contract, you're going to pay me this number of eggs. You're either going to let me in the house or you're not going to let me in, let me in the house. But I'll let you ask your question. So here's my follow. Andy Zeman, welcome to the program. We love when you watch the program, Andy. Hey, Andy, how are you? Dean Russell, welcome to the program. You've got a boatload of mortgage brokers watching sure. the program right well, now. I would love their read because that's outside of my wheelhouse. Their read, if this is truly decoupled, Right. Let's assume because the thing about a, about a class action suit is this judge, if it goes a certain way, this judge can make a decision that impacts the country instantly. Nationwide. Oh, I mean, I'll, I'm, I'm going to be straightforward here. Very straightforward. The let's, let's, let's extremely be. large percentage of the buying and selling population did not realize that they could negotiate commission with buyers representations. Well, I can tell you every... The very large percentage. Yeah, and I have I, realtors commenting saying that they didn't even know that was the case. Yeah, well, I can't help that. There's licensed realtors putting yeah. this in the feed. Yeah, I, I, you know, I can't help that. Um, but commissions, eggs, I have would, always been negotiable. You would, you would agree that most buyers thought or expected or assumed that their representative's compensation was going to be paid at closing through the transaction. Well, that's what happens. Right. That was an, almost an assumption to the fact where it was the norm. So if you have done your buyer-broker agreement the way it is written in the beginning... You with have the a, conversation. ...with a buyer, yeah. you have the conversation. But, but most don't. Yeah, I can't speak for most, right? Okay. You know, I, I'm just saying... But you're astute. Pardon? You're a smart guy. Did you call me? What did I you said, call me? I said a smart guy. Astute? Astute. Astute. Wow. You know that conversation does not often happen. Do we know what that word means? <laughs> um, yeah. I, and and I, I can't sit here. I mean, people need to do what they need to do and need to run their businesses the way they need to run their businesses. I will tell you, I know, uh, I know quite a few real estate agents in my sphere and we deal in a pretty large fear. They, they, they do buyer-broker agreements, right? Now, the question is when you do it, you know, you know, but you should at the time that is appropriate. So this, the state doesn't help us with this, right? The state actually says you're supposed to have a discussion about compensation, eggs. The question becomes, it doesn't say when, right? So You know when that often happens, right? Oh, good Lord. You it know, often happens when you're writing a contract. No, I was, I was going to say it's very common for the state to make a law and never really give any details to it. Well, it's I'm kind of like unfunded. Yeah. I'm saying this documentation often presents so that's itself all, when you're writing a contract. It. So here's the deal. That, regardless, in my opinion, regardless of the result of the lawsuit, the, this is this decoupling either formally or informally is going to happen. It is, it is not a matter of if, it is not a matter of when, and it's not Keith Smith doing this. These are CEOs I've had conversations with from Remax, from, you know, uh, Century 21, you know, so or, or you just run down, you run down the list. 
none of this is a bad thing, folks. This is, oh, this is just my ability to demonstrate to Jerry what my value prop is, what I do for a living, and how I do it. I make the decision, and Jerry makes the decision, if this is acceptable and move forward. The question is, is the how, right? The, the why and the what has kind of always been there. It's just never been really talked about or, I know we, we always talk with all our buyers and sellers, you know, commissions are negotiable, right? By the way, there's a second side of this decoupling conversation that has to have, it's with the seller, right? So you have to actually now start having this conversation with the seller, assuming it happens formally, um, that, you know, we, we got to have this conversation. But I can assure you, everybody on my partnership, everybody that we work with, we always have these conversations with our buyers and sellers because that's just doing business. Go ahead, ask a question. What would prevent a buyer's representative to negotiate 3%? Eggs. To negotiate 3% of eggs. No, three eggs. Just call it three eggs. Three eggs. Trying to keep myself out of trouble here. Three eggs at closing, paid at closing from the sales price. And then then, then also get compensated by the buyers in a different agreement as well. Yeah, that I don't... That's that's the second question I asked that you didn't have the answer to. Yeah, well... Could not a buyer's representative negotiate three eggs from the seller's representative and the seller at closing? Not if they... they, And then also get paid by the buyer up front. I don't have an answer to that, right? Uh, I can assure you we wouldn't do it. I think that's a, a bit of unethics. But unethical. But what you're trying to say, I think, is, okay, Jerry and I negotiated 2.5 eggs. Two eggs. Make life simple for my little brain, right? Two eggs. And I think the question you're trying to ask is, seller agrees to one egg, right? Because we've already negotiated in the buyer-broker agreement how many eggs I'm getting paid. That's already done. There's no renegotiation of that. It's already done and finished in the buyer. But then there's a side deal. Pardon? But then there's a side deal. Well, then to me that crosses the ethics line, and that's a conversation I really don't want to. I don't want to have, and my hope is nobody actually does. I got a follow-up question. But let's stay on the one egg thing, right? So it could be split, right? It it could be split that this this is all a matter of negotiations and what the lenders are going to allow us to do. The two eggs could be split. One egg is paid by the seller, one egg is paid by the buyer, or whatever portions of, of eggs. Any of these things are very possible at this point. Again, it's a matter of what the lenders or the underwriters or the regulators are going to allow to happen. And oh, by the way, this one might just peter out and nothing might happen. It might be just New York City is the one that's separate. Oh, I don't think that's going to happen. No, I, I, think, I think it's too much on the mainstream. Yeah, it's not going to happen at yeah. this point. Yeah, no. I would agree with that. There's a follow-up I, I, question. I would agree this is not a matter of yeah, this, this is, is a matter, matter of when. Of when. Yeah. Yeah, I follow-up question for you. If in a listing on the MLS, in the listing notes, it says buyer's representation must figure out their own compensation on their own accord. Okay. What would prevent the home being scarlet lettered and not shown by a large portion of the realtor population? I mean, these are, you're, you're asking me questions I can't answer, right? 
it shouldn't be done. That's unethical. It's unprofessional. If you have your buyer broker agreement lined up, and I'm just going to keep on repeating myself. Because often FISBO properties are not shown at the same frequency or momentum. Of- well, 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 time out. So, but that's not in the MLS. That does not have to comply with ethics. That does not have to comply with the oath or the documentation I've signed with car and NAR. That's a whole different animal. It is not... Because I track data it, it on is, Zillow based on views it is not listed it, and non-listed properties. That is, not, that is not in the MLS system, which we now, agree, you know, we agreed to certain... Because you, once you put a, a capital R in your name, which is, I can't say it, Realtor. Sorry, Donna. You said it. Sorry. Uh, on it, you agree to these certain ethics and stuff like that. And they are, they are enforced, trust me. They are. So, look, as far as FISBO goes, but, but it doesn't matter, right? If I do my buyer, we should do this on Friday. I'm going to bring a copy of a buyer broker agreement the way we write them up. And in our buyer broker agreement, we specifically put language in there that says that if you buy a f- new construction FISBO, yada, yada, there's a whole lot, set of language that's put in that if the seller doesn't pay a certain number of eggs or percentage of eggs or whatever, the buyer's going to, has agreed to, to pay it. Now, this is a difficult conversation to have. Especially for the first time home buyer. No, this is a difficult conversation to have for people in general. People don't like to talk about money. People don't like to talk about how I get paid and how much I get paid and how much money I make. That's kind of the underlining thing here. Nobody really likes that. I don't have a problem with that. I'm really good at what I do. I know what I can do and, and I will make magic happen for you. I walk through, and you know this, I'll walk through walls to make it happen. Our team will work through walls to make it happen. So I know what I'm worth, right? And if we can't negotiate a percentage of eggs and set an expectation of it? It's probably a foreshadowing that they can't negotiate on a deal. Well, we talked about that on Monday, right? You know, look, I'm I'm probably going to get myself into somewhat trouble here. Uh, But um, my phone is off, so nobody will be texting me in my thing. But if I can't, if I do not have this, what's the number one skill that I bring today? Negotiations. And it's funny, I kind of knew this was all happening about a year ago. And if you remember some previous shows, I was talking about I wanted to do a, a master class on negotiations, and I, I'm actually intending to do that. I've got a like 11-point conversation that you and I can have about, about negotiations. But the, the short version of it is, if, I'm not, if I don't have the skill to negotiate with you, my value proposition and how many <coughs> eggs or percentage of eggs... Um, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going to end up having a conversation with a client and not use percentage in column eggs. But, um, you know, this is what I'm worth and this is how I do it on it. Um, then how the hell am I going to negotiate your money? If I can't negotiate my money, totally with you. Totally how am I going to be able to negotiate your number? Uh, Beth Mark is watching the program. She's Seven a- days on market, medium. She says, in my opinion, agents have a fiduciary responsibility to their home buyers Agreed. to show any homes meeting their criteria. Agreed. Buyers Agreed. agents can reach out to a seller to ask how much compensation for buyers agent. Agreed. Uh, perfect word. There's a fiduciary responsibility. Once, now, 
It's, it's interesting. She also says, in my opinion, a flat fee. That what's going to happen is there's going to be a flat fee that buyers pay their representation disagree with that. for representation. I disagree with that. I disagree with that. I think there, that's what's going to happen, too. No, it's going to be what I negotiate with Jerry. If we negotiate a flat fee, then we negotiate a flat fee, right? And, you know, look, you know what? I've been in this business for a very long time. These discount brokerages, these one percenters or whatever, that one eggs, whatever they were, you know, they've been around for a very long time, been out in the public, very well marketed, very well advertised, and guess what? They don't really capture a market very well. A trans, and we're going to bring Yvonne in here, a transaction right now in the last 20, particularly the last five to 10 years, is extremely complicated. It requires a ton of skill, a ton of knowledge, a ton of ability to get it from point A to point, to point B. It is not a simple process. And, I, and I, 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 I can't tell you how many deals I pick up halfway through it because they thought they could do it on their own and now they can't. And oh, by the way, I'd be more than happy to help you, but this is my fee, this is how we do this, and we can go ahead and move forward. We're either going to get the seller to pay it or you're going to have to pay it. So this has always been there and always has been out there. The question becomes, do you have the skills to negotiate that? It, it's, it's really not changing anything. It's just bringing things out into the daylight. Look, the percentage of eggs are probably going to drop, drop a little bit, right? It's been, let's face it, it's been going downhill. It's been going downhill for years, you know. And I, I can't talk about number of eggs and all this stuff. But whatever your perception of the industry norm is, it's really not been the case for a while. You know, it's not the same number of eggs as it was five years ago or six years ago. The number of eggs are kind of being chipped away. So that's been happening no matter what. This will probably accelerate that a little bit. But, Jerry, it's a matter of – this is business, right? Oh, I know. Right? This is a matter of, of you're going to build a, uh, an awesome website, which you've done for me. Right? Okay, Jerry, this is what I need. This is how I need it. How much is it going to cost? Mm, that's a little too high. And we, we just negotiate it, right? And we end up with either toning down – the website I wanted to something more realistic for the price I wanted, we start giving back and forth, and Let's we end see, up on a subtle little number. In your scenario, it's a flat fee. In the scenario, yeah. in the scenario of an appraiser, and we got appraisers watching. Appraisers are paid a flat fee to sure. do their job. Sure. Home inspectors are watching. Home inspectors are paid a flat fee it's, for inspecting a house. It is going. It I is. I think that's the direction. That representation I, I in real estate. I don't really, it, I may be wrong. I, I think the number of, of the, egg, the, the flat fee show allows more transparency and accountability. No, it doesn't. I think it, it does. It, 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 no, the transparency. What other business is a percentage of the sale? It doesn't matter. Name one. Name one. It it doesn't matter, Jerry. It's a matter of what. I negotiate with you in the buyer 
broker agreement. It could be a flat fee. It could be for turkeys. It could be for eggs. It could be for a brand new boat. Thank you, Jerry. Uh, it it could it could be for whatever it needs to be. And the premise of the lawsuit, and, and there's there's a strong likelihood that the the plaintiffs are going to lose. I mean, there's this is this is could go either way. The the premise of it is that there was a um, conspiracy to set a certain number of eggs. And I can assure you that's never been the case. The industry or the market kind of settled in some, some stuff. I will tell you, when I started this, it was 10 eggs. It was 10 eggs back in the 80s. Why was it 10 eggs? Uh, because the sales prices were low. There you go. And you guys weren't making enough money at 3% or 6%, or 3 eggs or 6 eggs. Well, it was 5 eggs. Yeah. It was 10 eggs. It, it, was, it was too low. The, the difference now is the values of the home have appreciated so quickly that if someone came and said, I want 10 eggs of the transaction, people would laugh at you guys. So we always have a conversation about compensation. You are required by law, by state law, they don't tell you when, but you're required to have a conversation about it and set expectations. We put it on paper. Right, it's just like any other agreement that you ent- you enter into. It could be a fixed. Fee. It could be anything. I've done commercial transactions for fixed fee, done dozens and dozens and dozens of them. Right, it's negotiated on the front end of it. Right, you know, uh, you. So here's a here's a re- reality, real situation. Just did a rather substantial commercial deal in Richmond. Got a client, built a ton of trust with them won't do anything without me helping them guide and, and mentor them through the process. Call the company, because as you know, uh, commercials are tip- typically in-house listings, right? They're not kind of a public, they're publicly out there, but they're in-house. I said, look, I got Here's what he means by that. You take, uh, I mean, two of the best brokers, and I think it would be Johnny uh, Pritzloff and Jenny Stone, are you watching? They're commercial brokers. Yeah. Tallheimer, yeah. what Tallheimer does is they put their listings on a Tallheimer website. You're not going to find Tallheimer listings. That's not true. You'll find some of You'll them. You'll find some of them. Yeah, yeah. But they do a good job of keeping them within the Tallheimer digital infrastructure as opposed to putting them on LoopNet or yeah. Craxy yeah. or some of these other... I mean, like, I personally pay fees to multiple yeah, yeah. commercial yeah. Yeah. listing services. We all do. And it's expensive. Very expensive. But I often go to the Tollheimer website to see what they're selling. You do that first, usually. Yeah, I do that first. So, prime example, Richmond, significant deal. I mean, significant price point on it. Um, Happened to be a relationship I established over years. It was a um, nonprofit medical firm that was trying to do um, work in Richmond picked up the phone, called the, the broker up there, and I said, so I've got a client, yada, 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 cash, yada, 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 yada. What's your buyer-broker compensation? None. Okay, great. Okay, this is what I can do for you to my client. This is what I can. You know, we negotiated a price and service. It was extremely low just to kind of pay for my time for traveling and all this kind of great stuff because I want to do the right thing by this nonprofit and help them help them out to doing some great stuff. But that's what I did. I negotiated it. And at the end of the closing, the buyer paid me this fee, which was minimal, 
nominal. Um, and everybody was happy. We closed. Thank you very much. Oh, by the way, I got a phone call from them from another facility that they want to buy in Buckingham that has uh, a percentage of eggs in the sales price. And guess what? I do good then. So this is about relationships. This is about trust. This is about being professional and caring and develop a relationship with you. And what we negotiate, we negotiate. Some deals will be this and some deals will be that. It's not that complicated. Um, the question is, is how Woody and the appraisals are going to, that's, that's a whole world that nobody's figured out yet. On, on that. But it's no different than what I've been doing, everybody's been doing, that you're supposed to be doing for a long time. Comments are coming in fast and furious. Uh, uh, the, I'm surprised. L- large majority of people that are listening to this program had no idea that the percentage was not paid at transaction by the seller. They- it, it, no, 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 no. It currently is. Right. So let, let's, let's back up for a second. I guess what I should say is they had no idea that it was negotiable. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's everywhere yeah, here. Yeah. Everything is negotiable. I mean, this question literally just came in as like, uh, don't the proceeds always come from the seller side? Well, so, so we're, 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 you're asking two questions. You're making two different statements, right? Well, I'm not. The viewers and listeners yeah, yeah. are. So, so, yes. So let's talk about how it's currently done right now. How it's currently done right now, there is a listing agreement. You're selling your home. I'm the listing agent. We have a listing agreement. In that listing agreement, it talks about the percent eggs, the number of eggs. It also talks about how many eggs that I am going to get paid for my work. And then there's a percentage of eggs that the buyer's agent is going to be paid. So the, the, the money comes out of the net proceeds of the seller. Absolutely. The premise... Depending on who you talk to, I think the premise of the lawsuit is that the buyer had no no um, understanding, which is the second part of this question, no understanding of how much eggs that was being paid to the buyer broker in that purchase price. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And here's the deal. If you do your buyer broker agreement with your thing, it's never in question. It's either what the seller's prepared to pay or, or it actually says and or, this amount. So you, would, you should know the moment you walk into your first house what your buyer broker is being paid and how much. Woody Fitchum, the appraiser's watching the program. Woody Fitchum um, says to protect public trust appraisers legally can only accept assignments based on flat fees. Yeah. Beth Mark says, I agree with Jerry. Yeah. This is going to go to a flat fee environment. No, I, I, it, 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 she works in the business. Yeah. It, and it won't, um, <clears throat> um, flat fees have never worked before. Um, you know, I, I it could be, I, I don't think flat fees will work, but it could. You know, who, who knows at this point? Then the question becomes, what's the flat fee? The thing is... Well, this is how I would do it if I was a businessman, which get is this I, out. I am a businessman, but... Let me get this out. Um, so if everything would have worked the way it was supposed to work and everybody did a buyer-broker agreement that said, no matter what, I'm getting paid X 
percentage of eggs. If everybody has done that, and every single transaction from day one until today, this would have never came up. Because everybody knew what, what, what the numbers were on the but table. But that was not happening. It seems to be that was not the case, because otherwise we wouldn't be talking about this. Of course. So, but if everybody has simply done a buyer broker agreement and simply negotiated on the front end on how many percentage of eggs or flat fee, it doesn't freaking matter. We wouldn't be having this. We'd be talking more about pasta today, which is really what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> but well, that's not why they tune into the show. Yeah, I know that. So, um, so in any event, if you just do your job. This is what I would do if I was a buyer representative. This is coming from a businessman's perspective. It's been doing this for a long time. I would say I will do this on a flat fee structure. It is X amount of dollars. And for X amount of dollars, I'm going to give you X amount of hours of my time. And once you surpass that threshold of X amount of hours, then another retainer payment is due. Yeah. That's how lawyers work. That's how I work. Oh, the retainer's five grand. You get X amount of hours for 5K. Once you surpass the 5K retainer... That's how I do my commercial work. Once you surpass the 5K retainer, you owe another 5K retainer. And you got more hours from it. But what you're missing, Jerry, that's great if I'm doing a B2B, right? A business-to-business, or I'm doing somebody that is a sophisticated buyer. How the hell are you going to manage that with the first-time home buyer who's trying to get into a home that don't exist, that is overpriced, at 8%. How do you take care of that particular client? The bottom line is you can negotiate that. You can, assuming your broker lets you do this, by the way, because the broker is ultimately, so you probably don't know this. Oh, I do know that. The broker's in charge of the realtors of what they can and can do with their commission structure, with their egg structure and their compensation structure. Well, they ultimately own the listing agreements, the buyer broker agreements, and the contracts. (laughs) I mean, they are ultimately in the possession of of the thing. So it's it's not the agent. So, So to be cautious whatever we're talking about is at a very high level but you better better have a conversation with your broker what i can or cannot do which is also another point of concern because different brokers are going to have different structures so that so so that's part of the benefit of the system that we had set up it's a very unified system on it the question is the 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 point is not on a one shot not every real estate agent it's okay. No, 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 not every. I just hope you feel better, buddy. I feel great. It's okay. just my voice. Not every real estate agent. I wish I had a full voice here to have this conversation because I'm enjoying this. Yeah, well, it gives me a. Bit of, I got a bit of an advantage. You do have an advantage. I can only say 13 words at a time. Is that even possible? No, it's not. That's why my voice is the. So. If everybody in the business simply just does the buyer-broker agreement, and, and by the way, I'm going to pivot a little bit on you. This, this description that you had, there are things called limited service agreements. There are agreements. Oh, I know. There are agreements that, that I can do a limited, limited service um, uh, uh, listing or limited service buyer. We are full service. We will always be full service. You will, you know, and the problem with limited services is 
you know, you can, this may sound attractive on the front end, but when you, the proverbial, you know what, hits the fan, and it always hits the fan. It never not You want the, full service. You want full service because you don't want to don't go, I, I as an agent, we will never, I, I can look you dead in the face. We will, you know, we just will get out of the business. We're not going to do limited service agreements. We'll always do full service. We will always take care of our clients fully from stem to stern in it. And we will negotiate. They like that, huh? I do. Like and and uh, we will go ahead and, and negotiate. We, we do it, Jerry. What frustrates me is we do this now. I do this with, we do this with every transaction. But you guys are the anomaly. You're not the norm. I've been called a lot of things. I don't think I've ever been called. You're, that you're, you're, you're the exception. You're yeah. not the norm. I, 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 I think that's a bit dramatic, uh, and I get what you're saying. You guys go above and beyond. Uh, thank you. But there is a ton. I got a lot I want to get to with you a here. A ton. So I'm trying to. And I, I get it. What time is it? Ooh. So that's there's, why. A, there's a ton of realtors that do this very thing. Oh, I know. I know. And, and look, there's a reason why. It used to be 20% of all the real estate agents did 100%. Now of it's like 7% of the realtors do uh, 90% of the business. I would say it's probably closer to five. When yeah. you really, if you take out the two 10-ton elephants, which is bright and unrepresented because there, there is enough out of it, that percentage probably drops closer to 5%. And I can assure you these 5% or 10% do, are super. They're all professionals. Um, some just don't know. This is an, now's the time to get, if you're in the business, now's the time to get your education. Now's the time to, to go through and get your coaching and, and mentoring through it. Look, we're slow right now. We're in the slow time of the season of it. And this is what we're doing with our folks. We are sitting down one-on-one as teams, as synergy groups to say, okay, you know, we've got to make sure, regardless of what happens here, we've got to make sure whatever we're doing is at the highest of professional level and everybody understands their fiduciary responsibilities. By the way, the seller and the buyer have also a fiduciary responsibility to this, to this, tran- to this transaction. Go ahead, jump in. So, other things that are important to highlight here. And I'm just looking at this as a guy that's a businessman and someone who's done deals. Okay. But so, you're, and, and, and I'm trying to do this in an approachable way that appeals to everybody and not from a level of sophistication. Um, who the people are really going to get impacted here are first time home buyers. The first time home, the hands fir- down. I got hands limited down. voice here. So, you know, the first time home buyer Shut is the first time home buyer at an 8% environment and the most expensive value environment in American history. It is the most expensive home value environment in American history. Rates from 2020 to now have almost 4X'd. Credit card debt's at an all-time high, and student loan debt is starting back up again. The first-time home buyers are going to get screwed and kicked in the nuts again. So why the first-time home buyers are going to get screwed and kicked in the nuts again is because the first-time home buyer is probably going to have to take cash out of their pocket to pay their representatives when their limit, when their budget is already stretched. That's not true. That's not necessarily true. There's a scenario where they're going to have to take cash out of their pocket to pay their representatives. This is going to impact the financially margin the most. I agree 100%. I, I, I this wanna, is another headwind yeah. for affordability and housing. Yeah, I, I don't want to... Um, we're good? Mm-hmm. Um, so... <clears throat> 
Yes. I don't necessarily agree with the details. But Which the, part? Which ones? The first-time home buyer. this will impact them the most, the people who do not have the cash. Look, it hasn't been decoupled yet, Jerry, right? So this is a potential possibility when, and I haven't had a chance to look at it, but when you start seeing the 350, the 250, the 400, the 450 listings start, advertise, start putting in a $1 right now, that's when this is going to impact it the most. At the moment, it's only a couple of listings. At the moment, it's only the higher end numbers. So if you're buying something for two million bucks, you can probably pay a fee of some sort or a percentage of eggs of some sort. It's just an assumption. But at this very moment, and for the foreseeable future, if you look, the system is still functioning as it is. But there has to have this conversation with your buyer and your seller, but particularly your buyer, that look, you know, this is a possibility right now. It could be that there's a house in Lake Monticello. I don't know this. This is not factual, right? This is just me doing a, a, a what if, right? There could be a house in Lake Monticello at $250,000 that has $1 because it's allowed to go. You're allowed to do that right now in our MLS. You're allowed to do that. So if I don't have that buyer broker agreement and I, and I don't have it signed and do it like you talk about where sometimes they don't, and I, and I have to admit it does happen, that they don't do the buyer broker agreement until they submit the thing. This is how this works, Coach. If I open up that box, I don't have a buyer broker agreement set up. I just agreed to help this client for a dollar. As soon as I open up that box, I just agreed to it. Now, if I have a buyer broker agreement that supersedes that, my client can pay me, that's, that's a whole different animal. The question really is for, and again, it's a flat fee, it's a percentage of eggs, that the number is immaterial. The question becomes at the entry level or at the, that point, will the regulators allow seller concessions for my compensation. Right now, it's not. Right now, as it stands today, you can't do that. Because then what you can do is, now this becomes a... This becomes a Explain seller concessions to the viewers and listeners. Yeah, so seller concession is, is uh, Jerry is selling a house for 100 grand. There's $3,000 worth of closing costs. Jerry agrees to pay for my $3,000 worth of closing costs. Right? They're very specific items. Right, or we go back and negotiate and say, "Okay, Jerry, we're going to offer you one hundred and three thousand dollars, and you're going to pay my three three percent or my three thousand dollars worth of closing costs." With the struggle, that's allowed. You know what the struggle the struggle of doing that that way is is it's going to make it more difficult for people to qualify for financing. Well, it's and and it's not allowed. Look at this. I learned. I didn't use but. I used and and. Look at this. Smith can learn. And right now, this is a lot. That what I just described, Woody can calculate this into it's his. After the appraisal. He, he can, it's currently now. What's not allowed mm-hmm. is to say, okay, at the moment. And I need lenders to tell me I'm wrong. But right now, I've asked enough questions. Andy Zeman. Help yeah. us here, Andy. The, tell me if I'm wrong. But right now... If that same $100,000 house and I'm the buyer and we settle on X two eggs, 
right, or three eggs, whatever the number of eggs is on it, we can't jump that seller concession from three eggs to six eggs or five eggs to cover my two eggs. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. So I don't think that's allowed in the regulatory underwriting world on it, but it creates even a bigger issue for for Woody because I don't think he can count any. No, of course he can't. Of mine. Yeah. That's exactly right. Well, how could he count that? Yeah, so now. Woody's the appraiser, by the way, in this Yeah, scenario. Woody, I, I apologize. How could the appraiser Yeah, well, I, I don't think he's allowed to regulatory. Why? I don't think he's allowed to. Well, of course he can't. Yeah. So now, what happens, Coach, if the house does This is. If the house, in that scenario, the house doesn't appraise, so they can't get the financing. So forget about how. We just. I just outlined. We just out. This is, this is great. People are loving this. We just. Are out, you having fun? Uh, I'm. I'm I'm having fun. I just feel bad about your voice. So oh, my voice is good. Uh, well, um, so... I feel great. I'm sitting across from my friend. I know it's 1130. Yeah. Um, we need to... I have more comments than I can keep up with. Yeah, you. sure. We can, we can pick this up on Friday. But we look, should. And my voice will be more... Uh, sexier? Ooh. <laughs> dial one I also lie a little bit. Dial one 900 I'm going to leave, my, leave that one alone. Look, um, you and I are cut from the same cloth. Uh, six son of a gun. <laughs> but uh, the, uh, there you go. Get back to focus, Smith. Focus, Smith. You got us focused. Focus, focus, focus. So look, this isn't as dire as, as everybody thinks it is, right? It's start, it is not. It is working its way in through the system. If you're a professional you know your job. You know how to communicate with people, right? ABC. It's not closing. It's always be communicating, right? And I communicate with you what my value proposition is and how I do it and how I get paid and set those expectations up in the front. And, 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 and we'll just end with this. Look, let's face it. I love all my fellow realtors, so, so we're just going to get that out there. But some of them probably have not done, been either done that, have the skills to do it. So now, right now, if you're in the business, this is a great opportunity to work on your skills, to work on your negotiation abilities, and work on your communication, to sit down and have a conversation with Jerry, who's the buyer, and the seller, because you have to set them up for that, that this, this is maybe coming down the, the pike on it. And, and the last quick comment is, look, Judah, do me a favor. Can you go back to this real quick? So, this is the DOMs, right? Right? 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, probably starting around 16, but the, everything from 8 to 14, guess what they used to have in the MLS? Egg incentives. Sell so here's what he means by eggs, eggs incentives. When the homes, and we have to close, we have to close. Yeah, yep, sorry. What he means by that is eggs incentives. When homes were not selling. The sellers were offering eggs. Sellers eggs. were offering larger commissions to buyer representatives. More eggs. More eggs to get their homes to sell. Because nobody was buying. Well, so this I don't think that's a great point for you to make. It is not a good point? No. Why it's not a good point is that you're basically saying buyer's representatives were influenced by eggs to show homes at a greater no, clip. No, no, That's... no, no. What I'm saying is sellers incentivized buyers' agents to bring agents. You can twist it any way that you want, 
the point that I'm trying to make at is right now you're at seven freaking six, seven days in the last three years. It is a seller's market right now. Eventually, eventually that's going to switch to a buyer's market. I'll probably be dead and gone by then, but no. <laughs> but but eventually it's going to be. Doing real but talk. I, I wanted to put in put it into historical context that there was a time when sellers were doing whatever they could do to get buyers to come in. However you want to architect it or say it. So this pendulum does swing a little back and forth over, over time. Do your job. Get your buyer broker agreement. Negotiate your skill. No, negotiate what you want to do, and get that buyer broker signed. If you're a real estate agent helping buyers, and there's never a question, it's done. Thank you. Sorry. We and, should, can we talk about? They're asking if we can talk about this on. No, no. I want to talk pasta. Yeah, of course. Should we course. bring a lender in? Uh, you know, I, at the, at, I don't know what. The, we could, but I don't know what they're going to add to the conversation because they don't know. We, nobody, nobody knows, Jerry, how this is going to go. And the thing that I constantly want to hammer out is communication with your client, be transparent, be open, right? And everything will work out okay. You'll figure it out. You'll, you'll, this is what we do. We solve problems every day. You do. Right? And you're good at it. And, and that's, that's where that's – so the whole, you know – Viewers and listeners will save your questions that we didn't get to today. I see many of them, and I'll archive them for Friday. You and I uh, had... Are people watching? Had, yeah. The, your colleagues were watching. Oh, boy. It, yeah, the mortgage folks um, and the realtors heavy on this. I would imagine the buzz got around the uh, industry to tune in. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's, you know, if you're... Here's the thing. If I'm in your shoes, and, and we got to close. If I'm in your shoes... Being the guy or the source of the source on this topic is going to further no. your credibility and your yeah. value proposition. Yeah. I'm the, it's the reason I don't brand my slides. I want people to use them as open source. Well, let, and, let, can, can you send one to me? So yeah, 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 yeah. We'll okay. do. We'll do. And we'll, I love you, and I love your generosity with the Ricola. Yeah. Ricola. Eleven thirty-six. You got another show to do, I know. and you got to suck a couple dozen of them. I, among other things, yeah. I was <laughs> talking about uh, perhaps hitting the uh, hitting the, the, the little table over the there. The table over there. I'll yeah. I'll, 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 I'll partake with okay. you. Okay. All right. Judah Wickhauer is the uh, director. Keith Smith is the star of the show. Yes, Realty Partners. Yes, Realty Partners. Yes, Realty Partners. The show is RealTalkWithKeithSmith.com. But any real estate agents that's watching, reach out to them. They, they'll help you with this. There you go. Thank you for your honesty. Yeah, and your transparency. Yeah, I, but we need to. I, I, I don't want to go to this this hysteria thing. I want to be clear, concise, give good information, the best that I can. And and and, and if um if I don't know, I'm going to tell you I don't know. There you go, Keith Smith, boys and girls. He's he's the bee's knees. Thank you for joining us on Real Talk with Keith Smith. The I Love Seville show is up in 53 minutes. I have no idea. So long, everybody. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry.